0: Thank you, Your Excellencies, for the wonderful points that were addressed and were touched upon in light of humanity, and of course, nothing better than speaking about health and future of education. As inspired as we are, please welcome our next speaker to share a brief remark on change agents weaving endless possibilities. Your Excellency, Ayman Tawfiq Al Muayyid, the Minister of Youth and Sports Affairs of Bahrain, we look forward to be inspired by you.
1: Your Excellencies, distinguished guests. It's a pleasure being here. It's a pleasure addressing such an esteemed um, gathering. Uh, First of all, let me start by thanking the Emirates for everything that they've done for us, to be honest. It is an absolute pleasure to see so many familiar faces, and it's an absolute pleasure to learn from the sessions. I was asked to to talk about change agents, um, and I was asked to talk about the SDGs and the implementation of the SDGs. And I wanted just to shed light on maybe five phrases that we use um, in Bahrain, and we do this constantly. And maybe you can take something away um, from this. Number one, cross-pollination every Thursday in Bahrain, ministers communicate with counterparts internationally. We do this systematically, we do this religiously, and that's done every single Thursday. So every single Thursday, if if anybody was to check my program or the program of our undersecretaries and so on, you would see that we'd have sessions throughout the day sharing experiences and um, learning from experiences. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, to be very honest, the vast majority of everything that we implemented in Bahrain came from these t- types of learnings. There's a lot to be said, I think, as far as cross-pollination. And so that's just something that we needed to, to share with you, To be, uh, the, the, that's a high priority for us. So that was point number one. Point number two is localization. As far as the SDGs is concerned, so the SDGs brilliantly gave us not the north stars, but the due north, the direction that we want to go to. We know that we want our future to be better than our present for our kids and future gen- generations. And so we, we effectively know, we might not know the direction we're going to take. We might not know the exact steps that we're going to take, but we kind of know, know where our due north is. And so the second word that I wanted to share was localization. The SDGs tell us where we should be heading, but it doesn't tell us how the local community is going to sort of embody, embed, uh, and adopt um, what we're doing. And so for us, it is extremely important to learn from all of you how you've localized um, your experiences, how you've localized these programs, so that we can share ours, and maybe we can take some of your programs um, as change agents and see how we can get the biggest ripple possible with the minimum amount of resistance. And that lack of resistance is what localization gives us. The third one is communication and awareness. So as far as communication and awareness is concerned, we're all, I think, set with a a, a, um, a conviction that what we're doing is right but more importantly I think we're all under the assumption that everybody knows what we're doing everybody knows the efforts that we're investing everybody knows the meetings that we're having everybody knows the reports that we're reading the orders and so on and so forth and sadly this brings me to the next point sadly when we go down to the grassroots, when we meet our beneficiaries, when we meet our constituencies, it tends to, to become very clear very, very quickly that that's not the case. They don't know what we're doing. They don't know the impact. They will not be able to see the impact right now, and they might feel it in a few years. I doubt that anybody will make the link between what they feel then and the, the, the actual steps that you took now. So communication for us is very, very important. So cross-pollination, localization, communication and awareness. Our next one is something that, that for us was a game changer, to be honest. And it's hope and faith. The two things that, that we try to do to minimize resistance and to understand resistance is hope and faith. and, and I'll try to explain it as best as I can. What we did a while back is that we wanted to figure out whether, yes, the the constituency knows what we're doing, but more importantly, do they believe that the country is on an upward trajectory? Um, When we looked at the studies, when we did the surveys, and we do surveys every single month almost, um, with constituencies of 10,000, what we asked to find or try to find out on a dashboard is whether our kids feel safe, seen, supported, wanted, trusted, hopeful. This tells us whether our communication is correct. If our communication is correct, then they will feel safe, seen, supported, wanted, trusted, hopeful. If our communication is correct, they will feel that the country is on an upward trajectory. If our communication is correct, they will help us be the change agents that we need. We don't need to be the change agents. We need to start um, the catalyst effectively, and they need to be the ripple. And so, for us to turn them into, or for us to generate, synthesize the buy-in that we require, we need to make sure that they feel hopeful, and we make. We need to make sure that they feel the faith. And when we say faith, again, it's not religious faith. What we're talking about is we need our constituencies to have the faith that we're doing absolutely everything that's within our powers to execute the programs that we have to make sure that they can benefit from it, both now and in the future. And so, just to recap, we talked about cross-pollination, because there's no point without cross-pollination, as far as we're concerned. We talked about localization, and we talk about this all the time. We talk about communication. We talk about hope and faith. So, yesterday, His Highness Sheikh Nasser had, had, uh, gave a, a, as what we deem to be a landmark speech where he introduced the idea of hope and faith. And again, I, just to recalibrate um, everybody's uh, language, or at least the perception of what I'm saying, what we're talking about is not faith in a religious faith. What we're talking about, very, very simply, is faith in leadership, faith in the community, faith in in, in, uh, in partnerships, faith and collaboration, and so on. And then finally, we just simply repeat this. So we go through cross-pollination, localization, uh, communication, hope and faith, and then we repeat. And this is what we do day in and day out, day in and day out. And so with that, um, that is a quick take, my take, my personal take, on change agents, on how you can expand the impact and the effect of the ripple that we're trying to make we're all trying to make um and i look forward to opportunities to collaborate and cross-pollinate with everybody here so thank you very much thank you particularly to the emirates for making this happen thank you
0: Thank you, Your Excellency Ayman Tawfiq al-Mu'ayyid of Bahrain. You touched upon some very interesting ideas about change-making. I'd now like to invite the Right Honourable Nijerente Edward, Prime Minister of the Republic of Rwanda, to deliver a special keynote address on the importance of the SDGs in action 2022.
2: Excellencies, distinguished guests, the world is able to gather physically today after over two years of the global COVID-19 pandemic. This is an evidence of what can be achieved when countries cooperate toward a common goal. The lessons learned from COVID-19 pandemic should be a foundation for all of us as we pursue strategies toward scaling scaling new heights for the future of humanity. The UN 23rd agenda provides a pathway to better livelihood. This agenda provides a universal goal and targets for all countries to deliver on a three dimension covering economy, social, as well as environment, Our country's long-term aspiration, characterized by high quality of life for citizens, also mirrors the ambitions of the Agenda 2030. The SDGs have been fully integrated in our national development agenda through the National Long-Term Vision, the Vision 2050, the medium-term national strategy for transformation, and the rated sector strategic plans. Excellencies, the single guests, this year's theme of scaling a new head for the future of humanity goes with the 2022 theme of high-level political forum on sustainable development, namely breeding back better from COVID-19 pandemic while advancing the full implementation of 2030 agenda for sustainable development. The The recovery process must deliver greener, healthier, more inclusive and more resilient economies and societies that put the 2030 agenda for sustainable development and the goals of Paris Agreement, within reach by leaving no one behind. On the recovery front, allow me to share with you key aspects of Rwanda's economic recovery efforts due to COVID-19 negative effects. The government of Rwanda the government of Rwanda's economic response was driven by the economic recovery plan, comprising sensible fiscal and monetary policy support, economic recovery funds, and a program called Manufacture and Build to Recover, and also a prompt vaccine rollout. And I can tell you that so far, over 60% of our population above 18 is now fully vaccinated. Today, the government of Rwanda is ob- opti- 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 optimistic as recovery initiatives are delivering tangible results. Rwanda is showing promising signs of recovery whereby it grew by 10.9% in 2021 and is projected to grow at rate of 70, 7.2% in 2022. Excellencies, this this session on SDGs in action is an appropriate moment for us, as a global leaders, both in the public and the business community, to reflect and devise strategies to reinforce our commitment and maintain the momentum. For the decade for action 2021 2030. The agenda, the 2030 agenda was ambitious and required substantial financial resources, which weren't available, especially due to most developing countries. This has been worsened following the possible reversals and strength that COVID 19 inflicted on most countries that often led to relocation of most financial resources toward confronting the pandemic furthermore the impact of human induced challenges toward the delivery of sustainable development such as impact of climate change and more recently the geopolitical tensions on global commodity prices reaffirms the need to refocus on the critical elements of the 2030 agenda, which are people, prosperity, peace, planet, and partnerships, also known as the five PS pieces. This is uh, in addition to the need for enhancing resource mobilization capacities, including tapping into innovative finance, promoting investment in human capital development, championing technology and innovation, and inclusion and equality, as well as mutual beneficial partnerships. The lack of adequate investment in SDGs to date has made many countries vulnerable to economic fallout, from COVID-19 crisis. Sustainable recovery requires solid foundations, including global cooperation and effective integration of SDGs into national recovery plans of both developed and developing economies. Recovery must also be uh, underpinned by multilateralism and the collaboration between governments, international organizations, international financial institutions, civil society, and the private sector, and the draw on international research and innovation to get our shared goal back on track. Excellencies, distinguished guests, as the Rwanda, we are committed to working this transformation journey toward achieving the 2030 Agenda domesticated in our national strategy for transformation, as well as collaborate with other countries, especially on African continent. In relation to SDGs reporting, Rwanda has committed to undertake voluntary country reports that are part of the follow-up and review of the 2030 Agenda for sustainable development, these provide opportunities for sharing experiences, including successes, challenges, and lessons learned, with a view with a view of accelerating the implementation of the 2030 Agenda. The presentation of the voluntary country report at the UN High Level Political Forum on Sustainable Development started in Rwanda in 2016. And at that time, our government presented its, its first VNR in July 2019. In this regard, since 2016, we are hosting the SDGs Center for Africa, an entity that aims at building capacities for all African countries to monitor and ensure they are on track in implementing SDGs. Rwanda is also actively promoting South-South cooperation and peer learning through the Rwanda Cooperation Initiative. In the same spirit, we are glad to host this year's 8th Africa Regional Forum on sustainable development in early March 2022 under the theme Building Forward Better, a Green, Inclusive, and Resilient Africa. The key message, messages entered in the outcome document, the Kigali Declaration, is a call for accelerated implementa- implementation of the 2030 Agenda. Rwanda expresses gratitude for all the distinguished speakers of today for their world-looking ideas. For their forward looking ideas. We, are also, we also thank the government and the people of the United Arab Emirates for the organization of this summit and for their warm hospitality. I thank you so much.
0: Right Honourable Nijerente Edward, Prime Minister of the Republic of Rwanda, for shedding light and sharing with us the experiences of Rwanda for the SDG goals. After the brief remarks shared by Our Excellency Ayman Tawfiq al Muayyid, which has set the course for the change agents weaving endless possibilities, I'd like to welcome the distinguished guests of the Global Councils on SDGs. Which have been inaugurated during the twenty-eighth edition of the SDGs in action at the World Government Councils. At the World Government Summit. The councils are a composition of global leaders from multiple sectors around the world to address the SDGs through innovative partnerships and impact-driven projects. Please welcome our next panelists to stage, Dr. Mohamed Ali Bat, Julio Frank, Professor of the Practice of Public Health Leadership, Harvard. Ms. Mariami Ami Bari, Head of Impact-Based Finance at Society General Corporate and Investment Banking. Mr. Ibrahim al Chief Sustainability Officer at the Majid Al-Fatim Holding. And Her Excellency, Ms. Khawla Al-Mahiri, Executive Vice President of Strategy and Government Communications Dubai Water and Electricity Authority. The moderator of the panel. The moderator of the panel, Ms. Aisha Valiani-Robertson, who is the senior specialist advisor to the UAE Gender Balance Council in the UAE government. She has over 10 years of experience researching and advising on issues of gender and minority rights and law and policy in the academic international organization and governmental spaces. I'll leave it to you, Aisha, please be mindful of time. Thank you.
3: Your Excellencies, distinguished guests, distinguished panelists, good morning. According to the UN Global Compact in the UAE, sustainable partnerships ought to be categorized into three categories. The first is philanthropic, the second is transactional, and the third is integrative. And I think, especially after this morning, it's safe to say that to deliver on the SDGs, we must have meaningful partnerships. But according to the Global Sustainability Database, Currently, only 24% of cross-sector partnerships actually match these expectations. And all of your focus areas, climate, financing, public health, and policy solutions, demand collaboration to ensure effective problem solving. Essentially, all of you, as members of Global Councils, have to connect in order to innovate, in order to solve. And so I start with you, Ms. Bury. Thank you for joining us today your Global Council, the Finance Advisory Board, has perhaps the greatest responsibility to actually support SDG implementation in the realm of the Global Councils. What do you believe the Global Councils should take into consideration when connecting into the finance ecosystem to fund
4: their projects? So um, so I'm going to be a bit disruptive. Please. And, uh, and you know when we think about uh, connecting to the finance ecosystem, we think about financing solutions, uh, uh, you know, sustainability-linked uh, bonds or loans or uh, you know, uh, financial products, sustainable finance products. And in fact, my advice to the other councils would be not to think about the financing solution first, but to focus on the impact first, and to be able to uh, make an impact case about this initiative or project that they want to pursue as part of their council, because where you can demonstrate positive impacts you can demonstrate value, and if you can demonstrate value, then you have a case to raise finance, because each time uh, financing uh, is made, whether it's a a grant or a loan, whether it's public or private, the question is, how do I get my money back? I'm making an investment, how do you convince me that I'll get my money back either in, in cash to repay the loan or in kind, because it's public investment, and I want to make sure that I'm bringing value for for the people. So I think to be stronger and more efficient uh, in order to raise funding for those initiatives that uh, uh, the various uh, councils are putting together, uh, my first advice would be really to take uh, enough time to identify as many impacts as possible that can be derived from the initiatives that are going to be launched, so have a multi-impact approach, you know, this nexus approach that many of the previous speakers uh, referred to. See how you can also uh, reduce the costs, so make this investment the most efficient possibly, and this can be done by mutualizing uh, solutions, by, uh, you know, building on existing initiatives rather than inventing another one that we do you know, more or less the same as the previous one, but a bit differently. Why not build on what's done already and augment it with some new ideas, some new resources and demonstrate what is the value that is created because with this type of material, we are much better equipped to then identify who are the stakeholders, the interested parties that will recognize that value and are ready to invest so that you can, you know, deliver this value, deliver this impact. And with this basis, really, we are better armed to open up networks because the Finance Advisory Board is really a a group of experts from philanthropy, investing, and financing uh, community uh, here to support uh, the other councils, and we'll be more efficient at doing that if if you can make the impact case of your initiatives so we can mobilize the financing and uh, and other resources uh, we, we have access to.
3: Thank you for that. Continuing on with the thread of financing for impact, Mr. Al-Zubi, I turn to you. Uh, Al-Futaim and your council on SDG 13 have a series of uh, climate action programs. So I ask you, how do you maintain momentum and action in the private sector, not just to prioritize sustainability, but also to weave it into your overall business interests?
5: thank you very much uh, your excellency sheikh al Qasmi, excellencies uh, everybody uh, colleagues um, uh, first of all i would like to acknowledge uh, being in the most so far diversified panel uh, not only gender but i think uh, this is well diversified. this is what sdgs stands for um uh, i we t- we've been listening since morning about the action and a call for action and i think One of the things that we managed to identify, be it in the private sector or even within the United Arab Emirates in the public sector and and when it comes to sustainable development, is to to acknowledge the the success and forthcoming. And this is what we managed to do, keeping the momentum. One, we knew that we succeeded when it comes to my SDG, SDG 13 Climate Action. We managed to uh, get the attention on the issue and the problem which means the whole, the world, most of the world identified that there is an issue and there is a risk on the business, be it on the private sector and the resources when it comes to the climate issue. So we looked at it from a normalizing uh, the, the problem and normalizing the solution. So we looked straight, thinking of straight of the solution and getting ready for the next step, forecasting both uh, the impact and try to monetize it and uh, try to, uh, to uh, unify the language we need to use, uh, be it in the private sector and the public sector. So what we've done in the private sector is we looked at the opportunity and the solution and how we can embed this solution uh, because the whole world identified the problem. We, we did not waste time. Uh, looking at the issue itself we knew the issue but we looked at how we can embed and uh, manage such risk as being part of the business and business model and look how we can even uh, do well by doing good how we can increase revenues and the rest will come by default because if you look at the solutions and acknowledge that this can be an impact of the business and look at it as pure business model and this is where you can the momentum will come by default
3: Thank you for that. Now, continuing on with the point on momentum, Dr. Pate, you chair the Global Council on SDG3, and the Health in Your Hands initiative has actually made knowledge accessible to communities and practitioners around the world, which in many ways is a real manifestation of partnership. Could you tell us in brief about the initiative, but specifically also how you engage diverse stakeholders to come together to increase access to healthcare?
6: Thank you. health in your hands uh, initiative is a legacy initiative in the first term of our global council which we are building on now in the second term of the council the council itself is an amazing multidisciplinary multi-sector group of professionals practitioners academicians who've come together to really see how to catalyze momentum around sdg3 but also link to all the other sdgs as we've seen with COVID. Health is linked to all the SDGs, in fact. And how do we come together and think, organize, and catalyze impact? There are four domains that we would measure in terms of our success. The value add of this multi-stakeholder collaboration. What is it that we are uniquely positioned to contribute in this arena? Innovations, organizing them, harnessing them, and driving uh, impact at the country level is one that we feel that this council can contribute in that direction. Secondly, the impact itself at the country level, because I think Mary Amy mentioned that what is it that global partnerships exist, but they're only meaningful if they touch lives at the country level, at the local level. How do we reorient those innovations? The 50 that were uh, harnessed in the previous term, and then the 10 that were selected as sort of the most impactful, and how do we advance them so that they touch the lives of people? Third, how do we leverage the resources and the capabilities existing between members of the council and the institutions that we represent so that we drive this agenda. Because at the end of the day, it's resources, and how do we leverage those resources for much bigger uh, impact? Not only financial resources, but the time of people, the intellectual capabilities that exist. And then finally, in terms of the duration of it, impact takes time. Partnerships, SDGs, Whatever partnership takes time. And so we're building on what was developed in the first time of the Global Council 3 to uh, accelerate progress out of the SDGs. The 10 innovations that we are focusing on in this health-in-your-hands platform really goes beyond maternal and child health and basic health services to other things like food and nutrition, empowering frontline health workers, using technology and innovation, digitization, gender, Those are all embedded in those core sub-select innovations. And there could be more, but at least it's a good start to see how we can move forward with them, not only in connecting them with the Financial Advisory Board for financing, but also in learning what are the structural constraints to innovators. There are many pilots out there. Every corner, you'll find a pilot of an innovation. But what are the constraints to scale? The policy constraints, regulatory constraints, and the financing constraints. How do we learn from that? And how do we share that learning among ourselves and with others in developed countries, but also in developing countries? That's the approach that we're taking in our council.
3: Thank you, Dr. Pate. Um, I think it's interesting what you've mentioned because it speaks a lot to the kind of activity on the ground and, and, and as we mentioned, kind of spreading knowledge and resources. Um, but you also highlighted the importance of the policy environment and how that should be conducive to action. So I turn to you, Your Excellency um, Kahlal Meheri, and I ask you, you know, you're here today representing Dr. Tatiana Zeplova, who is uh, chairperson of Global Council 17, um, and as I understand it, the vision of your council is to strengthen implementation of the SDGs, specifically to enhance policy coherence for sustainable development. But in order to do that, you have to support policymakers in diverse governments, in diverse countries, not just at the federal or national level, but even at kind of local levels, to understand the SDGs and to embed them across their policy priorities. So how are you using digital technology to make this happen?
7: First of all, uh, good morning, everyone, esteemed guests, your excellencies, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here today with us. Um, First of all, uh, Aisha, um, uh, basically, I would like to uh, state a very important fact. Uh, When it comes to successful partnerships, everybody has their own criteria and definition for successful partnerships, but I do believe that the Global Council is a great example of collaborative partnerships as we convene. Uh, here, um, the capabilities, as, Mr. as Dr. Mohammed uh, stated, uh, along with the resources, as well as um, consensus on multilateral uh, challenges uh, in order to pull um, our effort together to basically scale up the achievement of the SDGs. Uh, marrying the multidisciplinary and interconnected nature of the SDGs, I do believe that the councils have a great potential to uh, develop integrated policy uh, solutions and enhance policy coherence for sustainable uh, development, which is referred to as PCSD uh, by SDG target 17.14. And policy coherence is very critical in order to ensure that today's actions taken by all stakeholders, whether it being governments, private sector, um, even the civil society, and more importantly, our councils, um, do not undermine the prospects of the future generations. And as, for, um, as far as successful uh, partnerships are concerned, um, as, as stated by other panelists and today uh, dignitaries and guests, um, they must be meaningful and tangible with a great potential to create value. So successful partnerships from the SDG's um, point of view are built on a whole of government and whole of uh, society commitment to policy coherence for sustainable development with solid planning, um, time-bound targets, and uh, uh, basically to ensure that uh, alignment is there between the short-term and long-term priorities and the good management of the tools and the technologies in hand to basically help decision makers to make uh, um, um, impactful decisions that would show you basically the progress towards these uh, SDGs and their Uh, relevant targets. Monitoring progress is quite important. I believe most of the panelists today uh, talked also about the importance uh, of um, um, uh, having flexibility uh, within the system itself or the institutional system that you have in place to basically adjust and adapt to change and uh, deliver expected values and and, uh, expected value and results. Uh, We've seen uh, basically Aisha uh, during the uh, pandemic, when it hit the world, um, many multilateral systems uh, being uh, basically criticized for uh, not being ready to deal with the pandemic, and um, as a result of that, many lives were lost. Um, uh, poverty eradication uh, uh, was impossible. Uh, SDGs were basically um, um, were put on hold, and What we need is a better world, a better uh, better UN, a better uh, collaborative partnerships to be able to move forward and make sure that people do have access to education, do have access to their basic rights, um, according to the Agenda 2030, as well as having access to um, sustainable financing, which also is one of the key challenges as we move into the future.
3: Thank you very much, Your Excellency, for that. You said two things that stuck with me, um, and I'll use them to jump into the final question. Uh, You mentioned measuring, the importance of actually measuring success uh, and monitoring, rather, Um, and you mentioned the need for some freshness, some new ideas to how we address global challenges which are being faced by all of us. So in brief, I'll ask each of you uh, to speak to how you will measure success for each of your global councils. Dr.
6: Pate, please. I think to the extent that we are able to identify pathways for taking innovations to scale and share that knowledge broadly with countries and make that happen in partnership with the countries, that will be success. To the extent that we're able to work with Financial Advisory Council to help those innovators get the resources, that will be success. I think those two metrics and to the that we have fun while doing that as a group, that also will be success, I think.
3: Thank you, Dr. Pate. Ms. Burry.
4: Yes. So I second on the fun thing. I think it's important to have passionate and motivated people and develop trust between those different groups that we are representing here. So success is really having... a motivated groups working together, and uh, eventually um, success will be measured by the impact we'll have. So not so much you know, talking at conferences, but concrete actions uh, that result in impacts that we can track, and uh, you know, having as efficient as possible investments where we achieve multi, multiple impacts and make the, mess, the best out of the, uh, the financing and the funding will be mobilizing. So we are definitely uh, intending to set ourselves some uh, uh, measurable targets, um, and we're currently reaching out to the other consoles to see what are the projects to be, to be accompanied, and hopefully we'll, we'll be of some
5: help. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll give a very practical uh, measurement that it's been a news, and uh, if you would like to go and call for action, we have ESG the ESG rating, environment, social, and governance. And this is here, for example, in my group, where we did, in the last two years, a transaction around $2.7 billion based on ESG. Other than than we have now TCFDs, KPIs, science-based targets initiative. We've been talking about it uh, in the Climate uh, Week. Uh, and it's endorsed and approved by uh, the, Fed, uh, the Competitiveness Council, by United Nations. So from a private sector perspective, back to your question about the momentum. The momentum is there, we need to scale it up. How we scale it up? We have a measurement tool that we must use. What the, is the measurement tool? It's an ESG, so technically I'm talking about a manual, for example, now for climate action that public sector and even CEOs can take, which is the solution is there. We, need, we succeeded in identifying the issues, and now we have the platform, which is the SDEs. We just need to succeed in scaling up the solution. How we scale up the solution? Looking at measurements, which is off the shelf, is already there. We have financial institutions ready. We, get, we started to see asset managers globally to shift into uh, SDG or sustainability-related or linked financing, uh, uh, financing uh, platforms. The governments. We are in the World Government Summit. We are talking about SDGs and the presence of. We've been presented by ministers, which means the governments are there, approving, endorsing. We just need to scale up, and we need to start scaling up the solutions and action instead of uh, uh, talking about the main issue. We have solutions there. Just let's scale it up. Let's work together, and this is, I think, what we succeeded. The SDG counts as the, the best example you can give globally for any solution we work a lot together we have a meeting after this the two the two councils for example on how we can work together on sustain finance, the partnerships so there is a great model to be maximized and you talked about the u.n Khawla, and i think uh, the united nations if you look for a good example now if they want to reinvent uh, the for post covid 19 era i think what the united arab emirates did and the SDG Council is a great example that can be taught and can be uh, put in an manual for international multilateral organizations. So that's, that's I think, the, the, for me, the measurement now is how many uh, impacts we can see from other uh, uh, the, the, the WGSs of the world, if we can see uh, a cloning of what we do here in the United Arab Emirates from a government level and from private sector level.
3: Thank you. Your Thank you. Excellency?
5: Thank you.
7: Well, I do believe that we can can mirror the example um, set by the UAE here in many countries, and we've seen efforts uh, made by some countries also to institutionalize the SDGs within an integrated system using basically a whole-of-government and a whole-of-society approach to um, implementing policy coherence for sustainable development. Um, The the, uh, key criteria for uh, success Um, I would say, um, from the perspective of the SDGs, is having a clear vision. And the UAE already already has put together uh, the the global councils with the intention to integrate that within its system, and we've seen efforts being made by both uh, both public as well as um, uh, private sectors in in, um, uh, different uh, aspects of their businesses, where SDGs are being really deeply rooted in their and their organizational cultures, what we need is basically the um, um, more um, awareness about what we're doing uh, in order to engage um, basically with the civil society and make sure that it's a a truly two-way communication for that.